as I reflect back on what happened here in 2020 with the illness and getting COVID and, you know, getting, uh, you know, put under intubation and under a ventilator and everything. Um, I used to kind of jokingly say CrossFit saved my life. You know, I would say that kind of in jest, like, mm-hmm. okay, it gave me something to do. It gave me a, a stress relief, you know, it gave me focus. It kind of gave me some sort of purpose outside of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I truly believe after what, you know, myself and my family went through this last year, that CrossFit truly did save my life. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. This episode is one of a series of Pursuing Health stories. Here, I feature the inspiring stories of regular, everyday people who've used lifestyle to overcome some incredible health challenges. This week's story features Daryl Chahone, a 47-year-old CrossFitter who suffered a severe case of COVID-19 last year. He went from being in the best shape of his life, preparing for a competition, to finding himself in the ICU dependent on a ventilator and a dialysis machine in a matter of days. Despite the severity of his illness, though, Daryl and his doctors credit his fitness level for his ability to make an unexpectedly quick and full recovery. Here we talk about Daryl's experience, what it's taught him, as well as how he's recovered to become fitter than ever a year later. Before we dive into the episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. All right, well, welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Daryl Chahone. and ha- who has a really incredible story with COVID, which is not something that we've really talked about here on the podcast. So thank you for joining me. Um, we were just talking about how we met at a CrossFit Level 1 seminar a couple years ago, and you have been an athlete and doing CrossFit for a while. So maybe we can just start there about what sort of your athletic background was and what you were doing um, to work out leading into coming down with COVID. Okay. Um, so I actually didn't really get into CrossFit till later in life. It was like, uh, 2013. So about eight years ago. Um, and I started out at CrossFit CLE in Cleveland. Um, I'll never forget. I had a vacation we did in Hawaii right before I started my on-ramp, um, Uh you know, training and, um, I look at pictures from then to now and I'm like, Oh my God, what a difference. Um, <laughs> we all but, do that. I think. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but as I reflect back on what happened here in 2020 with the illness and getting COVID and, you know, getting, uh, you know, put under intubation and under a ventilator and everything. Um, I used to kind of jokingly say CrossFit, saved my life. You know, I would say that kind of in jest, like, mm-hmm. okay, it gave me something to do. It gave me a, a stress relief, you know, it gave me focus. It kind of gave me some sort of purpose outside of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I truly believe after what, you know, myself and my family went through this last year that CrossFit truly did save my life. Um, you know, they, the, the, my wife chronicled all of this on her Facebook post to kind of keep all friends and family updated because she mm-hmm. just felt um, overwhelmed with all mm-hmm. the calls and inquiries mm-hmm. into what was going on with me while I was in the hospital. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, they put me on a, on a, on a ventilator under intubation. Mm-hmm. Um, and within the first days, my lungs started reacting, like within the first 24 hours, my lungs, uh, started working favorably, which, you know, the doctors told Claudia, this, you know, wasn't normal. They hadn't seen this, but it's good news. Yeah. You know, and it was only six days, uh, at the time, I think the average, you know, I, I looked at so many numbers and statistics. I think the average was somewhere like, you know, 13 to 15 days, mm-hmm. um, under intubation on a ventilator, um, and six days later, you know, I was out. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was uh, it was interesting. That's incredible, um, and incredible too to look at it from that from that perspective. You know, I think that it could be easy to to look at it from the negative perspective of oh, you know, being on the ventilator and being on for six days. But like looking in comparison, what 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 it may have been like if you didn't have that reserve um, and that resilience from doing CrossFit and being active. Absolutely. So you said you started in 2013. How did mm-hmm. you find CrossFit and what, um, what, like, how did it become a, a big part of your life? So it's, let's see. So started off in college. I was a college athlete, played mm-hmm. soccer to division three school, played football because okay. my fraternity brothers were football players and, <laughs> you know, just had that competitive itch and always wanted to be training and being yeah. active. And it was something I've done since I was a little kid, you know, just be mm-hmm. active never a great athlete, just active and mm-hmm. work really hard to make good teams. Um, and then, you know, once college was over, there was a, that void, you know, you try to figure out what you do. You go to a Globo gym, you know, I, I by the way, I tried to think like every, I was always a heavier guy. So I tried every diet known to man. Okay. Um, and, um, it wasn't until, what was it? Um, 2000, so 2000, Five, I started actually doing MMA first. Oh, I needed okay. to do something competitive, yeah. something moving. And so I ended up training with um, the MMA team at Strong Style in Independence, Ohio. They've got some okay. really well-known fighters, Stipe, Miocic, and all these other people. Um, I did that for four years. Oh, I got, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and I, I basically was getting my butt kicked every night by these guys. <laughs> I didn't belong there. I was not a fighter. <laughs> Uh, I just liked to trade and I thought, you uh-huh. know, the adrenaline, you would get everything. Well, right. once I fought once, cause my wife gave me the, the ultimate, she's like, you get to fight once and that's it. <laughs> and so, and you're I, done. <laughs> you know, yeah. And I respected that as soon as I fought, I was 38 years old. I was a little bit too old to be fighting. You know, I won. It was a great, uh-huh. it was a great opportunity. Um, and then it, there was that void again. You know, I wasn't training five days a week. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything. Um, and then a friend of mine who was taking classes at CLE during the day, at a, a, you know, he says, Hey, Daryl, you got to come try this thing. You're crazy enough. You know, this stuff really pushes you. It's mental. He goes, I think you'd like it. I think this is perfect for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mom, looking for something. I need to get something going again. So yeah. um, I fell in love with it. The minute I walked into the gym, mm-hmm. I'll never forget the first time, you know, you associate uh, colors, smells or music or anything. The first thing I heard was just music blaring mm-hmm. when I walked in. I'm a huge kind of a music junkie. I just like to listen yeah. to music all the time. Um, and I was hooked. I was uh-huh. hooked. And I thought immediately I'd get to jump in and trade. <laughs> and, you know, I went to talk to the coach and he asked me some questions. And he was like, yeah, we'll, uh, why don't we start an on-ramp? You know, uh-huh. we're going to work one-on-one and you got to do this for 30 days. And I'm like, but I want to start now like i want to jump in and he's like right yeah no <laughs> no so <laughs> we set it up right 
exactly. So we did it two weeks later because I had a vacation coming up. So, um, yeah, started as soon as I came back and uh, I, I fell in love with it instantly. I mean, That's instantly. Great. That's great. And so then you had been doing it for about seven years. Um, and was it, I mean, what was your experience like with CrossFit? Were you doing it? Did you ever do it from a competitive standpoint? Did you, was it just sort of a regular part of your workout routine? Did you do it a few days a week or what was, what was sort of your status leading into 2020? into 2020 was actually, so I just started focused. I had this goal, you know, I think a lot of CrossFit athletes do this at some point in time in their career, but I was like, you know, I want to see if I can be a little bit more competitive. I wonder if I can make the games. I wonder if I can push myself and get mm-hmm. to some of these higher level events, Wadapalooza, Granite Games, things to that nature. Um, and so I started training a little bit more. So ramping up to 2020, um, I was following comp train programming. Um, I was training about three hours a day, maybe three days a week because it was, it was a lot for me, you yeah, know, as a 47 year old, yeah, 47 year old athlete and with all the uh, injuries I've had, it was, just, you know, I couldn't do it, um, all the time. And so mm-hmm. I was committed, but I wasn't committed if, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, so, you know, I was, but things were getting better. You know, I think I competed, um, in 2019. So leading up to 2020, I did the online qualifier for Waterpalooza. And I came in like 98th place, you know, and I was like, okay, that's respectable. Kind of gave me a benchmark. Okay. This is where you're going from, you know, Mm -hmm. and moving towards. And so I was getting really strong at the end of 2019. My numbers were ridiculous. Like, uh, I mean, at my age to be able to put up uh, 275 on a split jerk, um, you know, clean and jerk, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my snatch, I got it up to 205. Um, you know, but I was starting to have issues, lower, lower back pains because my movement patterns were incorrect. Mm -hmm. Um, and my therapist, I worked with a therapist every week. So we were always just trying to work through this, you know, different Mm -hmm. exercises. He'd do some body work. And then, so, um, glad to say now, fast forward a couple of years later, I don't have any of those body issues and I'm really focused on mobility, the the, the strengthening, the prehab type stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's working really well. Um, but, you know, uh, then then I got hit with the illness. It was yeah. March, you know, March 24th when I started uh, started getting sick. And what was funny was, you know, we were looking forward to me and my training partners and my coach were looking forward to the Granite Games qualifier, which mm-hmm. I think was in April of mm-hmm. last year was supposed to be. Um, and, you know, we're like, well, maybe you might make it. I mean, you're really starting to come along. And, yeah. But, yeah. Things are looking good. So when did you yeah. first, what were your first symptoms or when did you first start to think that you weren't feeling well? Um, so it was, I got, I, these dates are vivid after going through this so many times, but um, Tuesday, March 24th mm-hmm. was the day that I, I got the first symptoms. Um, and at first it was fatigue. So that day I was scheduled, we had five shitsus and I was scheduled to take it to the groomer that day. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that requires a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I overslept. My wife called me. It was like, and I don't do that. It was like nine 30, 10 o'clock. I was, mm-hmm. I was supposed to have taken them at nine. And she's like, mm-hmm. Hey, you missed the appointment for the dogs. And I was like, I did. And I, I was just out of it. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't feel well. You know, I, mm-hmm. and we knew what was going on with all the news and everything about the pandemic. Yeah. I'm like, I just don't feel well. And so we canceled the appointment and canceled some other important things. Like I was supposed to take care of her grandmother that next mm-hmm. day. And she had just gotten out of Cleveland Clinic with um, mm. pneumonia. Oh, wow. um, and she's in her 80s. So mm-hmm. we kind of helped, you know, everybody signed up to do a day to 
take care yeah. of her. And so we made the decision right there. You know, we don't know what this is. I don't feel right. Yeah. Let's not, you know, go into this. But yeah, mm-hmm. it started off just as a fatigue, um, a slight cough. Um, and then, you know, the fever started and mm-hmm. the breathing issues were starting to occur, you know, later mm-hmm. in the week, so to speak. And when did you start to feel like, um, I don't know if you had contact with your doctors while you're still at home, but when did you start to feel like, okay, things are not going in the right direction. I think I need to go into the hospital. Um, we contacted our family physician, um, and everything at that point, you know, was, was via these zoom meetings, yeah. these virtual you know, visits. No one was seeing anyone, especially mm-hmm. at my age, you know, uh, I'm not over 60. You remember those days where, okay, you can't get tested unless you're over 60. Right. Right. You, know, you couldn't even get a test probably. Yeah. Right. So, um, we called, uh, you know, they said, you know, just take, you know, the typical medications. I think they prescribed a pack if I'm not mistaken. Um, but things weren't going well. I mean, it, it was getting worse. And so my wife decided to take me to the hospital that mm-hmm. Sunday, the emergency room here in Lakewood. Um, and that was how long after you had started? That was Tuesday to Sunday. So, okay. So Tuesday to Sunday. Yep. And, um, you know, they tested me for like, uh, the flu for, mm-hmm. you know, they said I was starting to get slight pneumonia, mm-hmm. uh, but the chest looked clear. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. That made no sense, but they said, we're going to send you tomorrow to get tested. So okay. I had an order, they wrote an order and then I went to Walker garage, um, downtown that Monday, uh, that was the 31st mm-hmm. or Monday, I'm sorry, the 30th to get uh, tested. And that was a whole interesting, uh, experience just driving yeah. into that garage, drive through testing, white yeah, white suits, you know, <laughs> it was like something out of a movie, like outbreak, you know, right. Right. Um, and with the, you know, the screens telling you stop here, you know, call this number, <laughs> then you drive up to the next screen. And, um, yeah. but yeah, so yeah, I got tested the 30, 30th and then it was Tuesday, the 31st that the results came back positive. Mm-hmm. And what were your first thoughts or reactions when you realized that the results were positive? Um, <laughs> they weren't good. They no. weren't good just because everything this is was also- so negative. Yeah. And this is also so early in the pandemic, right? So there's so much that we don't know. Um, you know, everybody, I remember that in March, the tensions were just high all around. Yeah. And it was constantly on the news and it was all negative and it was just mm-hmm. like, Oh Lord, I'm sick. Great. Um, mm-hmm. and that evening, I don't know if part of it, you know, looking back, I was struggling pretty bad, especially that evening with breathing. Um, mm-hmm. and that's where Claudia took me to the emergency room at Fairview. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I think back to it and I'm like, could part of that been induced by the anxiety, you know, um, not a good combination, not being able to breathe and right. <laughs> being under stress. Right. Tough one. So, yeah. um, yeah. So that, that evening, um, the 31st is when I was admitted to Fairview hospital. Okay. And what do you remember from your experience in the hospital? Um, traumatizing yeah brutal uh you know the first couple days and and i I sent you a picture one of the pictures where i just took my wife wanted to see you know Mm -hmm. what do you look like what's going on and i took a picture of myself Mm -hmm. with all the leads on my chest and everything Mm -hmm. um and and basically doing it uh, being alone so i could have no visitors you Mm -hmm. know it was just you remember that time where no one could come see you so um yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, interesting. And then um, it led up to, you know, it was just a couple days, you know, that I was in there before I had to be taken in um, to ICU. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an interesting situation because Julie, my, my uh, blood oxygen levels got near 80. Mm. Um, and some alarms went off in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next thing I know, there's five people in the room, like mm-hmm. that quick. And it was That's nurses really and doctors. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know what was going on. And they're like, uh, do you have your phone? And I'm like, yeah, well, we're going to need you to call your wife, you know, cause we had talked about some of this stuff. Um, you know, we need to get her on the phone. We got to take mm-hmm. you to the ICU and put you under intubation now. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, I'm texting my wife at this time. I'm like, Hey, right. uh, I'm about to call you, you know, I'm with the doctors. And so all I remember is they're running because they're on one side of the hospital and ICUs on the other side at Fairview. Um, and they were, they're running me on the bed. Um, I mean, literally running down the hallway mm-hmm. and we dial my wife's number and they're holding the phone and they ask the question, you know, do you give your wife, Claudia permission uh, to make any decisions for you while you are under intubation? Wow. And that's where it hit. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I was. What am I going to say? No, <laughs> right, know? right. So I'm like, that yeah, makes it totally. real. What's happening right now? Right, and um, you know, and, and she asked me. She was, she was, uh, she was worried at that point. She was freaking out. She's like, "Honey, honey, are you okay? How do you feel? How do you yeah. feel?" And I'm like, um, "I'm okay. This is going to give me the rest I need." I said, mm-hmm. "I'll be back," you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember anything after that. I don't remember wow. getting there. Um, you know, I see, I don't, I don't remember anything until I was woken up. Wow. That's really scary. And just highlights to this whole time of, you know, the added impact of the unknown and not being able to have your family members there with you. There's just so much extra, you know, being, being in the hospital and being sick on its own is incredibly <laughs> stressful and scary, but then with everything around the pandemic, it just makes it a lot harder. Wow. So, so then you went to the ICU, you were intubated for six days um, and talk about, you said, obviously the, you know, your team was, was surprised by how quickly you were able to come off the ventilator. Um, what do you remember when you first kind of woke up or came to after that? Um, <laughs> that's a great one. So <laughs> I wake up to a doctor in the, in the, in the, that I remember, this is the first thing I remember. And he was like, hi, Daryl, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Um, I'm here to take out the dialysis line. I was like, what? You're like, what? And he, yeah. He goes, we had to put you on dialysis while you were under your kidneys were starting to fail. He goes, wow. they still aren't working, but you know, you're at your age, you know, we're pretty comfortable. So, you know, they had to run one more, I guess they ran one more cycle that day on me while I was still in and out. Um, and he goes, so I'm going to pull the line out. And they went in through my femoral artery. Um, cause they tried to go in through my neck and it clotted. So they ended up having to go t- through the artery. Um, and when, he, when he pulled that line, yeah, I thought I was under painkillers and everything. Oh my, what a, what a pain. Wow. Um, it, it, wow. it, it, it was a, this, this, it, I mean, and I can take pain. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it was unreal. And, um, and then it proceeded to be, uh, almost two hours, Julie, before they could get, uh, the bleeding to stop you know, mm-hmm. to get it to clot. You know, they said mm-hmm. the doctor sits there with his it hands on pressure, it, pressure. Yeah. it took him 45 minutes. Um, at first he told me it'll be just a few minutes and, and, you know, a CrossFit or a clock watcher, it's been 15. How much longer doctor? He's like, Oh, just, you know, just a couple more minutes. And 45 minutes later, he calls in this nurse from the hallway, uh-huh. you know, and he's like, 
I'm getting tired. I need you to put pressure on this. And I'm going, holy hell, you know, like, he's getting tired. What's going on here? I can barely talk at that point. I mean, I was yeah. in, in just out of it. Um, mm-hmm. No strength at that point. And um, so, yeah, they got it. They got it under control. I ended up having what they put a sand bag on you, like a brick mm-hmm. wrapped in, in like pillowcases. Yeah. yeah. So it was like a, tw- they think they put like a 20 pound on there. And then I was even mm-hmm. afraid to move like the little bit that I could move or adjust. Right. You don't want to move open it out the of the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Yeah, that was interesting because during that whole time, like I was in so much pain as they're pushing, my eyes were closed. I remember I was stroking the nurse's back, the male nurse in the room, and by mistake, my hand went down further than it should have. <laughs> oh no! You know? And he goes, he in and, and, and his, it was great. I mean, he said to me, he goes, "Whoa, Daryl, I don't go that way." <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Like I was like, I felt like, like the biggest idiot. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just trying to grab and put hold pressure you know like when you're in pain you just yeah clench. you need to like so hold on to something I, yeah. yeah i need to hold on to something <laughs> <laughs> that's so, funny yeah uh, wow so so as you started to like kind of come to and realize everything that had happened and find out more information and talk to your wife what were um some of the things that happened during that time and and what was your your state when you woke up um so when i woke up and that was good friday that they that that I was actually coming to. Um, so it was that Easter weekend uh, last year. And, um, you know, I think one point I get, uh, I barely got to talk to Claudia. You know, they have those little uh, remotes hanging on their mm-hmm. neck or like a phone and they can mm-hmm. patch somebody through. And she, you know, she asked me to say something and I could barely talk. Like I was just like, uh, you know, you, could, so you we, can't. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, that feeling of helplessness um, for the first, you know, whatever half day, because I did get taken out of ICU um, the next day, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was determined. Like I kept asking the nurses, I need to move. I'm, I was telling them I need to go walk. And they're mm-hmm. like, you can't walk right now. <laughs> He's like, why don't you start by moving your legs? You know, bring one leg up. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I need to walk. And they were, <laughs> they were like, I think I drove the poor nurses uh, crazy that, that evening. Um, but yeah, I just kept moving, um, sleep. I couldn't sleep there, Julie. That was one thing. So from the time they woke me up till I ended up leaving the hospital Monday, um, the day after Easter, I slept 25 minutes total. Wow. That time frame. Um, I couldn't relax. You know, I was Mm -hmm. still anxious. Yes. I was recovering. I wasn't eating the food tasted Terrible. It wasn't the food that tasted terrible. It was just something with me that I couldn't yeah. eat the food. Well, the hospital um, food is not great. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. So, um, you know, they took me out Saturday. It was in a wheelchair still because I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took me to the room, um, you know, in another wing of the hospital. And that's when I was just like, I was determined I'm going home, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going home real soon. And first they need to see me walk. So I was pushing that. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, they, they brought me a walker and I was like, what do I need that for? And the nurse starts laughing at me. She's like, you know, laughing with me, not at me. And you're going to want it. (laughs) You need this. It's like, no, I don't. But yeah, that that first time just getting up out of the bed, moving onto the walker and I made it two and a half feet to the recliner and collapsed into the recliner. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it was, it was brutal. And that, that first, that only day, that only evening in ICU, um, 
just seeing the nurses and doctors, the stress that they were under and see, be able to see the window into the hallway mm-hmm. and just watching them running up and down the hallway. It seemed like, I mean, I'm probably exaggerating here, but like, it seemed like every half hour to hour, you know, there was another something going on, you know, mm-hmm. where people mm-hmm. were just running down the hallway and I'm going, Oh my God, what's going on? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So once you finally went home, obviously this is a, you know, your body's been through tons of physical stress, but also a lot of psychological stress with, you know, being there alone and, and kind of starting to understand everything that just happened. So what was it like for you then the recovery process once you got home? Um, I thought it would be easy first off, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going home. I'll be able to rest. I'm home. Yeah. No, the first, uh, I'll remember the first day <laughs> I tried to go to sleep just on my back, laid in bed. Um, and I think I woke up within like 15 minutes and my wife's next to me in bed and I just start screaming in a panic. Like, where am I? Where am I? What day Mm -hmm. is it? Mm -hmm. You know? And I'm like, I'm like, I see her and I just start, you know, like patting Mm -hmm. her on the back. Like what are, what's, what time is it? Where, where are we at? Like just a a panic. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I was sleeping the first, you know, until, you know, I came home the Monday the 13th, and it wasn't until um, I, I looked at my numbers here, the 26th of April, because I was tracking my sleep every day. Um, I didn't sleep more than four hours for the yeah. first, you know, first mm-hmm. couple weeks. Then I started sleeping four to six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sleep was hard because it was an anxiety that I wouldn't wake up. Um, mm-hmm. It was an anxiety that I wouldn't be able to breathe. Um you know, uh, being at home was great because I had my environment. I was able to relax at home. My wife took the first week off mm-hmm. when she was home with me. Um, she was going to take a couple of weeks and I was like, I'm good. You know, you, you're, you're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, we did walks. We lived near the Metro parks, we quarter mile from the Metro parks. So we would mm-hmm. walk from our house down to the Metro parks and do walks. Um, that was interesting because walks alone were hard. I mean, yeah. just my my nervous system had balance, and we'd go off the, the the path into the you know little trails, and just climbing over a log or anything was was a challenge for me. Yeah, a big um, difference from doing your your CrossFit workouts. Yeah, exactly. Like you can go from doing all this crazy stuff and mm-hmm. you know being fit to oh my, I can barely walk and don't mm-hmm. take this for granted, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what, what made it a little bit more stressful and frustrating too. So my coach calls me, one of my CrossFit coaches and says, Hey, Daryl, he had been doing Murph every day for a year. And he, on oh Memorial gosh. day, he was going to do 24 hours. Oh um, wow! He was like, I want you to come do one with me. And I laughed. I was like, Phil, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even run yet. I said, yeah. I can, I can't do a push up. Yeah. You know, I don't even think I could do a pull up. And he goes, so he goes, we got time. He goes, you know, we can <laughs> modify everything. If you got to walk, you walk. And I'm like, you know, that's true. Um, so I had a, there, I had a, a goal in mind, something, you know, to kind of drive me yeah. and get ready for. Yeah. Um, so little by little, you know, I, I did my rehab working with my physical therapist, working with the team from the clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I pushed harder than, than they would have liked, but I mm-hmm. also did it where I knew I wasn't hurting, you know, if I, mm-hmm. if my lungs You're, would hurt, yeah, you know, you know, if anything hurt, stop, but no, mm-hmm. I was okay. It was just, it was just fatiguing and building up uh, my mm-hmm. cardio and, and strength back. So how long did it take for you to start to feel like you were yourself, like you could go back to the gym and do any kind of workout? 
Um, probably like, uh, I mean, I tried doing stuff here and mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't going well. It was mm-hmm. all slow. It was all, I didn't have the strength. It was, um, middle of June where I started mm-hmm. attempting to start training again a little bit more. Um, yeah. and then, uh, you know, I think, you, so what's funny here is, I mean, this is how dumb too. I can be at times I, I'm a little bit aggressive and overly <laughs> optimistic and pushing, but, um, there was a, a qualifier, uh, a competition that came out in August, August 12th, uh, the legends masters okay. uh, qualifier. And so I told the guys I trained with and my guys I'm like, you know, I want to try to do this. And they're like, okay, perfect. We're with you. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of doubt, uh, yeah. what I could do, how far I could get, um, mm-hmm. any of that. And, um, I did it in that Julie with the first, the first workout was announced or whatever, August 12th, I think it was, okay. that was the first time I felt alive again, which is wow. kind of scary and sad to say just from a, That's a long uh, time a fitness level and, mm-hmm. and just feeling myself as part of me is pushing. It's always being active. It's always pushing. Yeah. Um, and that like it made, I, I remember commenting to one of the guys, I'm like, I feel alive again. Wow. You know? That's great. That's great. Getting back in that environment. But also I think you, you know, you said you like to push, but doing it in a way that, that was safe where you, like you said, if things started to hurt or if you're breathing, you know, your lungs started to hurt, you were, mindful of that where do you have any lingering symptoms or effects from covid now or i guess almost coming up on a year later right uh no not not noticeable that i can you know that i can tell um you know i i do i pace myself a little bit more in workouts or whatnot maybe um so i do i have had instances over the last you know call it six months where i coughed the mucus plugs. Okay. Um, and they told me that that's normal. I talked to my doctor about that. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, my lungs were coated with mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, I was spitting that up when I was out of IC mm-hmm. when I first came out in ICU. Um, so yeah, but no, no strength wise, you know, I'm almost, almost back to where I was, that's um, great. you know, and cardio wise, I mean, with, I, I'm faster. Uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. scary to say I can do, that's I couldn't amazing. do my muscle ups before and I can do them now. Um, wow. you know, stringing chest to bar together, um, handstand walking. Those are things I couldn't do before. Good for you. That's amazing. Looking back on the whole journey, um, what are some of the things that you think you've learned from it or the ways that maybe it's made you stronger? Um, I mean, what I've learned is, is really to, to focus on, I mean, a couple of things that I started focusing on was nutrition too. Right mm-hmm. before I got sick, I was, I had signed up with a nutrition, um, nutritionist and it's been now, it'll be two and a half years that I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and I've struggled with something I've always struggled with is eating. So, um, but it's gotten better. It's gotten easier. It's getting more mm-hmm. routine. Um, that, that to me is important. It's like, okay, look, your body's like mm-hmm. a machine. And if, if you don't feel it properly, you're, you know, I, I don't know if I would have made it because that, that week in intubation, I lost 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that first week at home, by the way, I was eating and talking to my nutritionist. She said, we're not monitoring macros. Just make sure you get at least 200 grams of protein a day. Yeah. Um, and uh, that first week I was eating about 10,000 calories and I still lost 10 more pounds that first mm-hmm. week at home. Wow. Yeah. Your body's yeah. working in overdrive. 
Wow. Okay. Well, um, anything else, any other reflections that you want to share about your experience that you think would be helpful for other people to hear? Yeah. Um, when things seem, I, I guess, despair, you know, you're in despair, things are all rough. You know, I, I remember hearing this from a mentor years ago, a guy that I really look up to, and he, he just always used to tell me, hey, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. This too shall pass. So I literally told myself that in the hospital, you know, in the ICU unit um, every day, uh, yeah. two times a day. Um, and, you know, don't take anything for granted and keep pushing. I mean, so... Mm-hmm you know, they gave me a plan. They're like, here, safe plan. You work mm-hmm. on this, you'll get better. I pushed a little bit more and it was mm-hmm. because I had that desire to, to be, um, not just back to normal, but better, Julie, you know, yeah. I, I made the decision. I'm like, I'm going to be better than what I was before I got sick. Mm-hmm. Good for you. And that attitude is so important in that being able to tell yourself that and remind yourself, you know, that this is, this is going to pass is so important because I think it's, it's hard when you're in those moments where um, you seem you know, it seems like things are not going well, or you don't have the people around you who can tell you that. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, CrossFit obviously had a huge impact in terms of helping you be resilient for it, but also the mental attitude. And a lot of that comes hand in hand as well. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I want to wrap up with three questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. So the first one is, what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Um, uh, first would be uh, being grateful, the gratitude part yes. every day. You know, there's 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 many times during the day where I'm just thankful mm-hmm. um, for where I'm at and what, what I'm doing and physically that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is, uh, something, you know, physically to do every day, you know, whether it's you know training day or not a training day on the non-training mm-hmm. days, I got to move mm-hmm. my body, your body needs to move. So even if it's stretching, even if it's a walk, um, you know, whatever it might be, do something active. So for me, it's, it's activity levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I struggle with all the time, but I'm mindful of it and I try to work on it every day is, is my nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's still, I'm, I'm, I'm a hard head when it comes to nutrition. Like <laughs> it's always a work in progress. <laughs> right. But that's great. What about, that could maybe be the answer for the next question, but what's something that you're working on or something you think would have a big impact on your health, but you haven't implemented it yet? Um, more than anything, the nutrition piece, if I could get that down better, you know, it would, it would only help me you know, get to where I want to go and not just from my objectives and goals and cross it, but I mean, mm-hmm. physically, I mean, worst case scenario, if I don't uh, obtain my goal of getting to the games, what's going to happen? I probably will be a lot fitter than I was, you know, yeah. 15, 20 years ago. That's a great way so, to think about it. Yeah. You know, so the win-win. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What's the worst thing going to happen? Right. That's so true. Um, is there, what is the, what tends to get in your way the most with nutrition? Like when you're really on, um, and you're doing well, what's the difference between that? And when you're maybe struggling with some of the nutrition stuff. Emotional. Yeah. Emotions. You know, it mm-hmm. seems like, you know, I'm, I'm, I ride high and I ride low. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very obs- uh, compulsive, obsessive types that, you know, I get, I get really involved in everything. And I also, mm-hmm. you know, I, I fluctuate with emotions and, 
Totally. I think that that uh, challenges me at times, you know. Definitely. When, you know. I think a lot of people can relate to that for sure, myself included. Um, all right. Last question is: What does a healthy life look like to you, Daryl? Healthy life look like to me um, to be happy. I mean, true to me. I think I have, and I've thought about this quite a bit in the last year. To be really happy, it's do you love what you do? Mm-hmm. Do you have people around you that you can love and share that love with and that passion? Mm-hmm. Um, and are you being a good person? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> Secret to life. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, I love. Um, you know, I'm so grateful for you sharing your your story and your perspective here, and I think it's such a great example for, you know, as we met at the level one and people who have taken the level one have seen the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum that I love from CrossFit. This is just such a great example of that because no matter what happens, you know, life is going to throw challenges our way, whether it's COVID, whether it's having an injury or a car accident or anything else. And the more resilience we can build and the more we can be on that fit side of the continuum, um, the easier we're going to bounce back. And obviously you had a big challenge in front of you it wasn't you know it still took a while to get back to better than where you were before but because of that buffer that you had built from doing CrossFit for so many years before um, I'm sure you did much better you know who knows where you would be right now if you hadn't been doing CrossFit maybe you would still be having symptoms maybe you would still or or you know not quite back to yourself so absolutely yeah I agree. all right well thank you so much Jayla okay thank you Julie Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you or someone you know has a story to share on a future episode of Pursuing Health, please write me at info at pursuing-health.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please also consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.